Um, and as you heard, Pastor TC and Oshina are out of town. They have asked me to preach, so I'm really delighted to be here this morning to, for this opportunity to share God's word with us. Uh, well, we've been in a, in a series, uh, sermon series that we just launched this past week called Adore. Uh, calling it Adore, and we're, where we're looking at Christian worship from multiple perspectives. Um, last week, Pastor TC preached about worship as formation, the practices that we do that form us into becoming the disciples that we are. Today, I'll be looking at um, worship as a communal um, practice that happens in the presence of God. So we're looking at the presence of God this morning. That's where we're going to be headed this morning. So I actually wanted to start by sharing my own uh, first time experience of when I stepped foot into an evangelical worship experience. This was uh, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, well, probably 10 years ago, and my, my wife, who was not my wife at the time, but now is my wife, she had invited me to go to uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, I think it was an Asian American Fellowship event at a church. Um, so first time ever walking foot into this evangelical worship context, no idea where I was, what, what was going on, just like any new experience we have, church or otherwise, uh, just felt really out of place. Um, I remember during the musical worship time, didn't know any of the songs, didn't know what, how long we were going to be singing for, and remember, because I wasn't engaged with the worship and I didn't understand it, I was just looking around the room, and I just I remember asking myself, who's everybody singing to? I just remember people's you know, making kind of intimate facial expressions up into the ceiling and raising their arms up like they were going to hug the air in front of them. And I just had no idea uh, what was going on. I kept thinking, when are we going to get back to acknowledging the real people in the room here? That, those are some of my thoughts. And so I was very intrigued. I was also kind of weirded out at the same time. So that was kind of my first experience in an evangelical worship setting. Kind of funny thing is, you fast forward a couple years after that, and then I, I became a worship leader myself. So it's, it's interesting how God works that way. And I went on worship art staff at two uh, large churches in Wisconsin um, where I was on, I was leading all the fun people. <laughs> I was leading all the weird activities, just kidding. Um, so, you know, and, and even after all those years of being a worship leader and being in the presence of God, you know, I still don't have worship all figured out. And I hope that I, I never do. Uh, because worship is, you know, when we are invited into the presence of the living God, that should never feel too familiar to us. It should never be a place where we are just completely, uh, like this is redundant, or I've been here before, same old, same old. No, in the presence of God, it should always elicit wonder and awe and a response of praise to this holy God. And so today, I invite us to go to that place together, to actually enter into God's presence together this morning. Even as we talk about the presence of God, it's not just merely a theological topic or a discussion, but it's an actual event that takes place here in this building where the people of God come and they, we enter together. So I'm going to invite us this morning 
um, to actually enter the presence of the living God as we uh, come together with our songs, as we have already entered the presence of God uh, with this morning's musical worship. So today's scripture reading, then we're going to be reading from Psalm 100. So if you have a Bible or a device with you, you want to follow along, Psalm 100. And I believe we'll also have the scripture on the screen, is that correct? Okay, here it is. Psalm 100, if some of you are still flipping there, I'll give you a minute. So Psalm 100 is like a, like a big doxological praise psalm. It's a psalm of thanks, a psalm of praise. Um, and you've probably heard uh, Pastor TC or other worship leaders opening up a worship time with this psalm. It's kind of a call to worship psalm. And we're really going to be unpacking this, this text uh, this morning just to really invite us to have a, a, a deeper understanding of the presence of God. So Psalm 100, I'm going to read it for us here. A psalm of thanks. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with celebration. Come before him with shouts of joy. Know that the Lord is God. He made us. We belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his own pasture. Enter his gates with thanks. Enter his courtyards with praise. Thank him. Bless his name. Because the Lord is good, his loyal love lasts forever. His faithfulness lasts generation after generation. Let me just pause here and invite us to pray, just inviting God's presence with us as we uh, hear from his word this morning. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are your people. We come before you, Lord, in Jesus' name, asking that your Holy Spirit would come and illuminate your word for us this morning. May we receive it with fresh ears. May it go deep in our hearts, Lord. Would you give us the wisdom to lean into your presence this morning as we gather before you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Psalm 100, this was a short psalm, so we're going to spend a little bit of time unpacking it this morning. Psalm 100 starts with this grand invitation, this imperative, I might even say, this imperative to shout triumphantly to the Lord. This little preposition to means that our musical worship is not directed only at the four walls around us to bounce back at us, but our musical worship is directed to the living God. That means God is here. He is present. God receives our worship as we sing songs of praise to him this morning. God is here to receive our worship. This psalm has the word LORD in all caps, kind of all over. You can, you can see that. There's about four instances. So this Lord is here with us. So who exactly is this Lord? Well, when you see the, the word Lord in all caps, not only in this psalm, but it's actually all over the Old Testament, Lord in all capital letters, it actually refers to the, the proper Hebrew name of God, which is Yahweh. So every time you see Lord in all caps, it's referring specifically to Yahweh. It's not just 
Lord in the general sense of some God, version of a God. It's not just Lord in some generic sense of a master or a ruler somewhere, but it specifically denotes the proper Hebrew name of Israel's God, Yahweh. And so the invitation for all the earth to come and worship Israel's God, Yahweh, is a very bold invitation. Now, depending on how you define people groups and ethnic diversity and racial groups, because there's different nuances to how you categorize ethnicity, um, there are between 11,000 to 20,000 different ethnic groups around the world. I honestly don't know how that range is so big, but it's almost like a $9,000 uh, not, not 9,000 uh, amount difference. Um, amongst this ethnic diversity, there is an estimated five to 6,000 different languages spoken amongst the more than 6.5 billion people of the earth. So the scope of human diversity is mind-boggling. It's disorienting when we consider that we, even in this room, um, as ethnically diverse as we are as roots, uh, is intentionally a multi-ethnic community, we are just a few particular people groups within the much larger global scale of human diversity. So with this ethnic and linguistic diversity, there's, there's cultural diversity, there's religious diversity and pluralism. And so for, in this global reality, for Psalm 100 to make this bold invitation for its readers that no matter what ethnic group you are from, no matter what language you speak or cultural tribe you're from, that all peoples of the earth are invited to worship one particular God, the only God, the God of Israel, and his name is Yahweh. So this goes without, um, this doesn't go without contention. Worshiping Yahweh is a polemical act where Walter Brueggemann writes, and I'm not sure if we have the, there it is, the screens there. Uh, Walter Brueggemann writes, this doxological act of praise is at the same time and inevitably a polemical act. That is, the exclusive celebration of this God constitutes a necessary dismissal of every rival claim. When the church says the name of Yahweh out loud, under its breath, it also says quietly, but undoubtedly, and not Baal, not Marduk, not Dagon, not Enlil, not, not, and not. And in the New Testament context, to worship and proclaim Jesus as Lord is also saying that Caesar and the other worldly rulers and gods are not Lord. So this single allegiance to God actually relates directly to, the, to our next verse here, verse 2, which instructs us to serve the Lord with celebration, to serve the Lord with celebration. This word serve, in the other English translations, it says worship the Lord with celebration. Serve the Lord, worship the Lord. From the same Hebrew word, we get two English translations, serve and worship. There's this close relationship between when we serve the Lord and when we worship the Lord. There's an overlap of meaning. When we worship something, someone, 
or maybe even an idea or a societal practice or cultural value. When we serve that thing, we also worship that thing. In the first century Greco-Roman context, to worship Caesar was to serve Caesar. A good Roman citizen would have contributed to the overall um, way of Roman society. And by contributing and serving to Roman society, you'd be worshiping Roman society, or you'd be worshiping the emperor. And Christians in the first century context then, instead had a radical claim that said Jesus was Lord and not Caesar. And this was their worship of Jesus. This was how they served Jesus. Well, in these next few verses, back to Psalm 100, where uh, we start moving towards the main idea this morning. And this psalm, the main idea is this, that the psalm invites us to come. It invites us to come before him with shouts of joy. To come, because worship of God happens in the presence of God. Worship of God happens in the presence of God. Now, when I, when I first walked into the evangelical worship context um, back in my undergrad, again, I had no idea. I had no idea that these people um, were entering the presence of God as they were worshiping Him. To me, from an outsider's perspective, it just looked very emotional. It just looked like a theatrical act. Um, not that those elements are not a part of it, but it looked like it was only a theatrical act. And um, I just had no idea that they were coming together to proclaim God as the one ruler, and that they were, by doing that, they were entering into God's presence. They were entering into God's rule, into God's kingdom with their act of worship. And this God, this his Hebrew name is Yahweh. He's depicted as a king here in verses 4 and 5 in our uh, psalm today, where we read images of um, entering through his gates, and through his courtyard, and we can begin to envision this, this royal scenery of this palace of this king enthroned on his seat. While some scholars suggest, some Old Testament scholars do think that it is depicting Yahweh as king, there's other voices who suggest that this is, um, Psalm 100 was used as a public worship liturgy or public worship service where um, the, the wor Israelite worshipers were entering through the Jerusalem temple and that it was describing that entrance to enter through the gates and through the courtyard. Either way, however way you look at it, one thing is clear that it's inviting us into the presence of God. It's inviting all the earth to come into the presence of God because worship of God happens in the presence of God. It's entering the presence of God, this good and this faithful God that draws out our response of praise uh, and our shouts of joy to this God. When we remember the things that God has done, when we remember his faithfulness, those are the things that elicit our worship and our praise. Our bodily worship, our musical worship, it's directed to this God and the throne room of God. Here's something that I really like what um, this author, Brueggemann, writes uh, regarding praise in the throne room of God. Um, this was really, I just some, put it in some really interesting perspective for me. Praise is an audacious act 
It is our intentional out loudness that breaks the silence and is a risk of self-assertion and the very presence of holiness. Imagine taking it upon ourselves to speak in the very throne room of God. And that's what we do when we gather here. We have sensed God's invitation to come before His presence. We have said yes to that invitation. And now in the throne of God, we dare to speak to a holy God where angels surround His throne and they cry out day and night, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If we're still a little unsure, maybe, maybe you're not familiar with this God. Maybe you're just unsure about this God. I want to let this psalm give us three encouragements, three different times where it invites us to come before him with shouts of joy, to enter his gates with thanks, and then again, to enter his courtyards with praise. Because our worship of God happens in the presence of God. Now, I know that even as I make that assertion, that the worship of God is in the presence of God. I know that many people, myself included, are still asking, what exactly do you mean by the presence of God? What's meant by the presence of God? Even as my five-year-old daughter has figured out, Jesus is not bodily present with us right now. He's not physically walking the earth. And so my daughter will say, Daddy, where's Jesus? I don't see him. That's a kind of a hard question to answer. So if you want to brush up on your theology, just surround yourself with some kids, and they'll ask you some really tough theology faith questions like that. So what do we mean by the presence of God? I think this is a really good question. Um, in, in my personal walk, my personal faith journey, this is some, a question that sometimes I feel like I have a firm understanding, and sometimes I feel like it's totally abstract, um, presence of God. But I'm going to take us through just a real broad over, overview of where this terminology comes up in Scripture, presence of God. So we start in the Old Testament, and I'm just going to highlight three very um, short instances where presence of God shows up in the Old Testament, to, just to kind of help us better understand, make some, make some more associations with this phrase, presence of God. So in the Old Testament, um, the word presence is often translated from a Hebrew word for face, for face, where God speaks to Moses face to face. That is one instance of the presence of God in Scripture in the Old Testament. God meets with him face to face. This is a very, very particular way in which God is present with very, very limited people in the Bible. Um, for God's own purposes, he chooses to disclose himself that way to Moses. Another instance where God is present with us or with humanity in the Old Testament is by walking with, walking with, where um, God is present with Israel when they're journeying from, Can uh, from Sinai to Canaan, the land of Canaan, and God is with them in the form of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So God is walking with uh, his people as they are journeying. And finally, the more... The more common notion of God's presence is in the tent of meeting, also called the tabernacle, 
um, and then also the temple. So the tent of meeting was, uh, Israel was instructed to create, it was a physical tent where God would, Moses would go and meet with God in this tent. And you can kind of think of the tent of meeting like a portable church, kind of like church on the go, right? One day you're setting up, tearing down in this location, and the next day you find yourselves in the prior works building. And that's what the tent of meeting is sort of like. It's church on the go. But then the temple is the more permanent version of that, where generations later, Solomon builds a temple and then God's presence God's presence comes and resides in the temple in Jerusalem. So this is not a, an exhaustive study on what presence of God is. It's three very quick instances of presence of God in the Old Testament. When we move over to the New Testament, the presence of God is best made known in the incarnation of Jesus. Where Jesus is walking with humanity and he is given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the author of Matthew takes the name Emmanuel from Isaiah and applies it directly to Jesus to say that this person, this man, Jesus, is called Emmanuel, God with us. So when Jesus walks with humanity, God is walking with humanity. The author Paul, the missionary Paul, also talks about how believers are united with Christ. We're united with Christ, we're seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. That's another way in which um, we have shared presence with, with God. United, believers are united with Christ. A third way in the New Testament is that the book of Hebrews talking about Jesus is now our high priest in the throne room of God. And relating this throne room of God to the, to the temple or the tabernacle, Hebrews 9.11 says... But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. So it's talking about Christ entering the tabernacle, this heavenly tabernacle that's not made with human hands. And a few verses later, it reiterates again in verse 24, for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. So Jesus is now in the throne room of God, appearing in the presence of God on our behalf, and we have union with Christ. We are seated with Christ. So in more way than just one, followers of Jesus, we have access to the presence of the living God through Jesus. Scripture says that Jesus is present with us whenever two or three are gathered. There's definitely more than two or three right now. So yes, Jesus is with us. Scripture says that God sent His Holy Spirit, our helper, our advocate, to be with us. That Jesus is present before the throne of God on our behalf. And that we are united with Christ and seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. So in all of this, we are invited to worship this God, this living God, in God's presence. Not from a distance, not remotely, 
not just reaching out in the dark, trying to figure out if we are doing it right, but God initiates our worship by his invitation. We're not searching for him blindly. He has already made himself known. He's already revealed himself. And he says, come and enter and enter. Now this cycle of worship, this rhythm of worship, where we're in God's presence and we respond and we, and we praise, that's a really, really great and sweet and beautiful place to be. But I know that not all of us are always in that place and that this practice that we call worship is very, very far from perfect. Um, sometimes it feels completely absent. I understand that. Uh, but the good news, the good news is that regardless of where you've been, regardless of how long you've been in God's presence or been away from God's presence, regardless of where you're coming from or the things you've done, regardless of all of that, the invitation is to you today that all peoples, all the earth, are invited to come and meet with the living God, to come and speak and worship the living God in God's presence. And I might even say it's hard to worship God apart from His presence. It's hard to know this God apart from experiencing His radical love for us and His call for us to be in community with His Son, Jesus. So as we transition, we're going to transition to um, a time of response. And I want to, um, at this time, invite us to, to stand if you're able and you're willing. Where we're going to, for our time of closing, we're going to read Psalm 100 out loud together um, as our closing prayer this morning. As we read Psalm 100, you'll notice that where the all caps Lord was, it now reads Yahweh, the Hebrew, the proper Hebrew name for Israel's God. As we read that, just to be clear, we are not the nation of Israel. We have not... Um, superseded or taken the place of the nation of Israel. We are the church, but we can still call on the name of Yahweh because it's the same God of the entire scriptures. It's the same God we're just calling on the name of Yahweh. Even the name, even the word God is, is a, it has pagan roots, but we use the name God to refer to the God of the scriptures. And so invite us together this morning as we read this, this psalm, as our prayer, as we read it, I also invite you to be listening to your invitation, to our invitation, to be listening to how God is inviting you into his presence this morning as we continue in song through worship, through serving, and through uh, living into communion together. So let's read the Psalm 100 together as our closing prayer this morning. Shout triumphantly to Yahweh, all the earth. Serve Yahweh with celebration. Come before him with shouts of joy. Know that Yahweh is God. He made us. We belong to Him. We are His people, the sheep of His own pasture. Enter His gates with thanks. Enter His courtyards with praise. Thank Him. Bless His name. Because Yahweh is good. His loyal love lasts forever. His faithfulness lasts generation after generation. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue in our time of response. The worship team's going to come back up.
and lead us for the remainder of our service.